I remember when we were dealing with this um, sermon series for this time of the year in the Christian year we call Epiphany. Uh, it was Leah Wiseman who came up with this wonderful idea that inspired us to do this sermon series on no outsiders. Let me talk to you about why no outsiders. The Epiphany season of the year this is the first Sunday after Epiphany Day, which is always January the 6th. And it's the Sunday that traditionally we focus on the baptism of the Lord. Epiphany is the time of the year when the church is called to move into the spirit of the whole spiritual. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. But more than him being born he was baptized and he had a teaching ministry and he healed the sick and he was crucified on a cross that became the open door and he rose from a grave for you and for me and that's the good news that during epiphany especially we're called to share with the world to go tell it on the mountain therefore Sermons in Epiphany are not feel-good sermons. They're challenging sermons. They're sermons that should uh, cause us to think in terms of who's not here who needs to be here. Who needs to know the good news of our Lord that, 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 that says there are no outsiders, that, that all are welcome here. So today... We're going to focus on the baptism of the Lord by looking at the baptism carried on by the early church. And the sermon is entitled, All Welcome to the Waters. Now we're going to read a passage from the 8th chapter of Acts. And this is a very unusual story that features Philip, who was a Jew, a Hellenistic Jew, a deacon of the church, who went and proclaimed the good news... And in the 8th chapter, we see him in the latter part of the 8th chapter going to the Ethiopian eunuch. That's the story that's most familiar. And remember, he crawled up in the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch and he taught him what he was reading from Isaiah and he led him to Christ and then into the waters of baptism. But today's text is the early part of the chapter where Peter and John are sent on behalf of the apostles in Jerusalem to pray over and to lay on hands on those Samaritans who were coming to faith. They were there on behalf of the apostles and the larger church to go to Samaria because the issue was Philip has led people to Christ and into the waters of baptism, but they haven't been filled with the Spirit. So Peter and John, you go to Samaria and you lay hands on them so that they can be filled with the Spirit. Now some people say that the reason the Samaritans weren't filled with the Spirit was because they were so enamored with Philip and his healing ministry. They were so enamored with the words that, Peter, that Philip shared and the way that he shared those words that their focus was not on the Christ whom Philip was proclaiming and in whose name he was healing, but the focus was on Philip. 
Maybe that's the reason. Maybe not. Stay tuned. Let's turn to Acts, the 8th chapter. And we're going to read beginning with the 4th verse. And we're going to read through the 25th. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Now those who were scattered went from place to place, proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds with one accord listening eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying with loud shrieks came out of many who were possessed. And many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in the city. You get it? I mean, when you're seeing all of these, these, these amazing things happen, these signs and wonders, the, the, the whole city was filled with joy. Now, a certain man named Simon had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he was someone great. All of them, from the least to the greatest, listened to him eagerly, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they listened eagerly to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, it says. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he stayed constantly with Philip and was amazed when he saw the signs and the great miracles that took place. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet the Spirit had not come upon them, any of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. You have no part or share in this. For your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours. And pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the chains of wickedness. Simon answered, Pray for me. Pray to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. 
And now after, listen to this. Now after Peter and John had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem proclaiming the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. The Samaritans. You may be seated. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Listen to this amazing statement again. Peter and John, who were so prejudiced against the Samaritans, when they returned to Jerusalem, they proclaimed the good news, not just in that city, but in the Samaritan villages all along the way. Now I want to remind us this morning that the hatred and the mistrust between the Jews and the Samaritans went all the way back to the 8th century B.C. When Assyria invaded the northern kingdom, they took into captivity, into exile, the smartest, the brightest, the most gifted among the, the northern kingdom Jews. And they took them to Assyria, leaving only the poor and, and, and those that they, they didn't want to take there in the kingdom. And those who had been brought into the land of Assyria were there a long time. And so they married uh, Assyrians. There were, uh, uh, it was a mixed race that became called Samaritans. Now, in the 6th century B.C., a, a, a similar event happened, but this time it was the Babylonians who invaded the southern kingdom. And they also took into captivity, just like happened 200 years prior. And yet there was a stubbornness that had set in, and, and there was um, uh, uh, laws that, for, uh, that was, would forbid anyone to marry someone who was not Jewish. And so the Jews always looked down on the Samaritans as those who had given in, those who were impure, inferior, unfaithful, low-life Samaritans. And there was nothing that they had to do with them. So Peter and John are specifically sent to Samaria in order to welcome those people into the Christian community. According to Luke, they went down and they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now let me talk for just a minute about the Holy Spirit and, and how important it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit changes us, redirects us. The Holy Spirit's filling is mysterious for Christians because we become driven by something that's not of an old nature, but it's something that's beyond us. It's the Spirit of Christ. And Jesus said about the Spirit in John's Gospel, the third chapter, the eighth verse, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born 
of the Spirit. Friends, we need to acknowledge today that the Holy Spirit is not restricted by national borders or racial boundaries. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not, pays no attention whatsoever to arbitrary distinctions of people that we draw among ourselves. The Holy Spirit doesn't act that way. Amen? And the wind of the Spirit sweeps across the land and the Holy Spirit will, will fill Jew and Samaritan. Right? The Holy Spirit doesn't care what color one is. The Holy Spirit, I have witnessed. I have witnessed. Have you? The Holy Spirit will fill a white person, a black person, a brown person. The Holy Spirit will come upon those who are young and those who are old. The Holy Spirit will come upon those who are deaf and those who are hearing. The Holy Spirit will come upon those who are gay and those who are straight. The Holy Spirit will come on those who who may be struggling with an addiction. The Holy Spirit will come upon those who have committed a crime and have served time in prison. The Holy Spirit will meet them in the prison or outside the prison. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. And it functions in ways that are unlike the way we typically function because we are people who are pattern seekers by and large. And the Holy Spirit moves like the wind. One more thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's trademark is bringing people to a reconciled relationship with God and with others. One of the trademarks of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit may have moved you, some of you may can testify, to a broken relationship. Maybe that relationship was with God or with the church. Or maybe that relationship was with with someone else and the Holy Spirit has caused you to say what you never thought you would say. You are forgiven. Or it's caused you to ask for forgiveness. It's caused you to move in such a way because the Holy Spirit values so much relationship with God and one another that the Holy Spirit will cause you to do what you don't think you have the power to do, the will to do, and the Holy Spirit will cause you to act. And when the Holy Spirit moves on you in that way, you best respond. Think about Peter and John. And the church, not only was the Holy Spirit coming upon Gentiles, but the word has it, the Holy Spirit has come upon the low-life Samaritans. Or or, or they're, they're professing faith and they're being baptized and Philip's doing it, but... But they're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John. You need to go down to Samaria. And you need to lay hands and pray for those people. Whom you won't even shake their hands. 
You go down and you pray for them in love that the Holy Spirit will fill them. So go. What what they found was Philip who was so spirit-filled that people were being healed and that whole city was full of joy. And, And Philip was healing in the same way Jesus healed. Remember Jesus' healing ministry. He healed the Roman centurion servant from a distance. He wasn't even there. He just said he's healed. And that's the way they found him. Jesus went to the house of Jairus and he healed his daughter. Jesus raised children from the dead. Jesus healed with touch. He healed with word. One time he made that spittle and mud. And you know, he put it on the blind man's eyes and he could see Jesus healed in so many different ways a Canaanite woman's daughter. He healed her reluctantly. And and the woman with the issue of blood, he healed her unintentionally. She just touched his garment and she was healed. The healing ministry of Jesus full of the Holy Spirit moved like the wind. And and that's what was happening with Philip and the Samaritans. The, The Spirit was moving like the wind. Philip didn't set out to go to that Samaritan city and say, well, I think I'm going to heal a few people. All of you who need to be uh, cured of your lameness over here, all of you deaf here, all of you blind here, you know, he just, that wasn't the way it was. The Holy Spirit was moving him to individuals. And he was responding. There's no single recipe for the ministry of Jesus, nor was there one for Philip. The Spirit was moving among outsiders. Just like with Jesus, the Gentile who was outside the law healed. The Canaanite woman of an alien culture outside the law healed. The woman with the issue of blood outside the law healed. Philip was healing Samaritans. And the Holy Spirit moves beyond the law in measures of amazing grace. So let's talk baptism. The Spirit moving in the waters of baptism today moves us outside during this season of Epiphany. The, 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 the close comfort and ease of this Christian community in Crosswalk where the lights are dim and the music is wonderful and we love the people we're beside into a world that's so torn that we look at outsiders, even little children, as illegal aliens. We don't know what to do with government is so gridlocked that they can't make a decision and their people not getting paychecks because the government can't decide what to do with the outsiders. Just last week Tarrant County 
The, the, the religious divisions are such that, that here's a, a guy who's going to be the vice chairman, not even the chairman, the vice chairman of the county Republican Party and was called into question because he's a Muslim. Do we need to be reminded about our divisions? We live in, in a denomination that may very well divide and split over what we do with gay and lesbian people. It breaks my heart. And yet baptism is that sacrament of God that calls us to be one family. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. We don't even baptize you with your last name because we all share the same last name in Christ. Our last name is Christian. Therefore, we're Christian sisters and brothers because we all have the last name Christian. Friends, baptism at Lover's Lane has changed me. And it's changed our church. We know that our understanding of baptism as United Methodists is that baptism, the waters of baptism of a symbol of God's first love of you and me. That we don't choose that love. God chooses us first. We can come to choose that love, but baptism symbolizes God's choosing us, that we're all children of God, that we're adopted children of God. And whether we're one day old and we don't get it, or we're 99 years old and we've been hearing about it all of our lives, it's the same symbol. Baptism symbolizes God's outpouring of love on us. And when an adult is baptized, as, as many of you have been here, at the same time, you're saying, and I love God who first loved me. And I'm filled with the spirit that causes me to want to love others as I've been loved by you, Lord. And to create a community of love that's in keeping with what the church is called to be. And when we started saying that baptism here at Lover's Lane is going to be the main thing, that we're going to quit worrying about how many people are joining the church every year. We're going to start focusing on how many people go into the waters of baptism every year. And what we started seeing when we emphasized the waters of baptism is that instead of us playing church swap and people coming from different churches to join here, people were coming to faith for the first time, 65, 68%. And they were saying, I choose Christ who's chosen me first. And there were deaf people coming into the waters of baptism. They were hearing the good news by sign language. As they do today. African refugees who were in a strange land and felt like outsiders had a welcome home here. They were being baptized and are today. A 90-year-old man said, you know, he'd been a Christian, he thought all of his life, but he'd never been baptized. He was baptized and filled with the Spirit. I witnessed. Amen. 
and youth who'd grown up in the children's uh, department here and into the youth group and baptized in the waters. And LGBTQ people started coming here. We started hearing their stories. Some were very hurt by the church. Some of those stories were yours. And they started going into the waters of baptism. And recovering addicts who've been freed and who wanted to mark that freedom with the waters, they were getting in. And former offenders who some called cons and said they won't be sincere looked like they were pretty sincere to me. I saw them be filled with the Spirit. And even parents holding babies, they too were being baptized. Filled with the Spirit. As we promise to nurture those little ones in the faith. You know, I just, some of my friends who were questioning what we were doing here and saying we were acting like a bunch of Baptists. As if Methodists don't believe in baptism. We believe in baptism so much, we baptize with all three modes. Sprinkle, pour, immerse. And we baptize in a cemetery. <laughs> Death and resurrection right there. I remember... Some of that criticism. Why have they repented of their sin? I wish you'd have been there. <laughs> now, we're hearing their stories, I said. And how could we deny the waters of baptism to anyone who believed? How could we deny the sacraments of the Lord's table? It's not our table. It's the Lord's. We're just stewards of it. Who would we say someone's not welcome here? In this image conscious world, you and I need to pause just every now and then and reflect on the Holy Spirit who inspires our faith and is the reason for the church's existence. I close. Ben Witherington, a theologian, author of the book Acts of the Apostles, He said this. He said that he believed the Holy Spirit held back from offering himself to the Samaritans because Peter and John, the church, had not obeyed Jesus' command to serve as witnesses in Samaria. Remember the Great Commission? Jesus said, Go and baptize. All nations. 
Go to Jerusalem, that's your family and friends. Go to Judea, that's your neighbors you like. Go to Samaria, the outsiders whom you can't stand. And go into all the world. I don't know about you, but when I've read this passage in, in, in the past, I've thought there must have been a problem with the Samaritans. Witherington said, no, the problem was with the church. The church wasn't obeying the Holy Spirit. Philip was. Philip was proclaiming. But the church in Jerusalem was the that was who needed to say okay I get it I'll go Witherington said the Holy Spirit seems to have rebuked the church for its parochialism interesting so the church sent Peter and John to Samaria and the biblical witness is that on their way back home, they were so full of the Spirit that they proclaimed the Lord and the good news of Christ in every little village they went through. Every Samaritan village they went through. You see, what happened was Peter and John, it appears had to take the advice that they had given Simon. They had to repent of their own bitterness, their own wickedness, their own short-sightedness, their own prejudice, their own bigotry. So church, we're about to go out there. Who are your Samaritans? Who are our Samaritans? Wonderful things happen. When the Holy Spirit moves Christians, moves the church, beyond our boundaries, beyond our desire for the comfort and the ease of the matters, beyond our own selfishness to just take care of ourselves wonderful things happen when we say Lord lead me just like the wind to whomever you want me to share your good news to help me lead them to you to crosswalk to this church is called to be the church of outsiders to outsiders and we're called here by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ whose Holy Spirit moves us and we want to be where the Holy Spirit is moving